cattle market is looking promising. So what are some things we need to consider if and when we want to expand our cattle herd? The biggest thing is you just need to, oh, and I will drill this into you, is look at the relationships of the classes of animals. Wally Olson from Claremore, Oklahoma, joins me to share his advice from his perspective. From the many years of successfully marketing cattle, it looks to be promising times ahead in our markets. So how do we expand and market our cattle for long-term profit? On this episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. Welcome again to another episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm your host, Justin Mills, coming to you all the way from the northeast corner of the Black Hills of Wyoming. Glad to have you joining us on our program. Now, for those of you that regularly listen in through podcasts or even here on the radio, probably noticed that we were absent last week. Well, as you can tell by my voice, yeah, I'm still trying to kick whatever got a hold of me. And it dates clear back to when I was in Billings, Montana, the first part of June and come back from that and then we branded the following week and i think it was one of the windiest days of the spring now i'm not going to say the year because we've had some really windy days but but of the spring probably one of the dustiest days and so you combine all of that together and uh, my voice still sounds just a little bit froggy here but we're hoping to get over it here nevertheless we're glad to have you joining us this is episode 75 of the working ranch radio show you can find it uh if you want to go back and listen to it, which, by the way, today's show is going to be one of those shows you may want to go back and listen to on any podcast provider out there. My guest today is Mr. Wally Olson. Now, he's out of Claremore, Oklahoma, but I know a lot of folks across the country probably familiar with his name a little bit. He does have some marketing schools and some things that he's been involved with over the years, been in the ranching business all his life, and uh, comes to us with a wealth of knowledge about marketing livestock. And so I wanted to pick his brain mainly, as you'll hear later on, as we talk about this, that as we find ourselves in a market that looks to be uh, better than it has been, for sure. There's no question about that. How do we position ourselves so that we don't get burned? And I think it's pretty easy to get caught up in the moment and start spending a lot of money on cattle. And then, uh, you know, in a few years or so, the market or the, the bottom falls out of that in some way, shape or form. And then we kind of get left holding the bag. And so I want to talk about that uh, with with Wally today, kind of positioning ourselves in this market and how we go about doing that. Of course, at the very end of our program here today, meteorologist Don Day will be joining us for a look at our long-term weather as we're going to stretch and look across the country to see where the weather is at uh, and what uh, improvements may be coming down the road for some of these areas that's been a little bit drier. Are they going to happen or not? Well, we'll find out. Some of these areas that has seen moisture, it looks like they might be drying out just a little bit. So we'll gather all of that with uh, meteorologist Don Day today when he joins us with our long-term weather. Right now, let's check in with the captain, Tim O'Byrne. He is the publisher and editor of Working Ranch magazine for this week's edition of Tim's Two Cents. Hey Justin, this is from Senator Chuck Grassley's website. Uh, they're talking about the uh, the Cattle Price Discovery and Transparency Act and apparently it passed by a voice vote and is now eligible for a final vote on the Senate floor. The senators unveiled the updated version of this legislation in March. And here's a, here's a quote. 
from Senator Grassley. Iowa cattle producers have struggled to receive a fair price for years, long before inflation hit a 40-year high. It's past time for Congress to stand with independent cattle producers and put an end to the cozy relationship between large meat packers and big cattle feedlots. I'm grateful for the diligent work of Senators Fisher, Tester, Wyden, and all of my colleagues to advance this bill out of committee, and I look forward to a floor vote in short order, Senator Grassley said. So there you go, Justin. That's my two cents. Hope you have a great week, folks. Thanks for listening. All right. Thanks, Captain, for that. Uh, Good to see some bipartisan effort happening back in Washington, D.C. for a change. Uh, I know it's not all that way with everything going on back there, but this is at least one bright spot that we can look at. Now, in regards to that cattle transparency bill, I did an episode back on the 16th of April with Jess Peterson with U.S. Cattlemen. If you want to go back and listen to that episode, not only will you hear the details about that bill, but also two other bills as well. I encourage you to go back and listen to that. Again, that was episode 66 back on the 16th of April. And again, thanks, Captain, for the update on that. Now, speaking of the Captain, uh, publisher and an editor of Working Ranch Magazine, as I said a bit ago, this uh, the Working Ranch Radio Show is a production of Working Ranch Magazine. And if you don't have your latest copy of Working Ranch Magazine, tell you what you're missing out this is a great addition for summer months a lot of great information in there don't be afraid to go to the website at workingranchmag.com and you can start your subscription today to working ranch magazine well stay with us when we come back wally olson will be joining us as we talk about how do we position ourselves in a market that is showing some promise so that we don't get burned down the road we're going to talk more about it with wally olson our guest when we return on the working ranch radio show Whoa, Herefords are the efficiency experts for a reason. In crossbreeding systems, Herefords boost pregnancy rates by 7% and add $30 per head in feed yard profitability. And Hereford genetics bring unrivaled hybrid vigor, longevity, and disposition. Now that'll stop you in your tracks. Come home to Hereford for more pounds, more calves, and more profit. Visit Hereford.org for a sale near you. Payday starts with superior Beefmaster cows. Yes, the Beefmaster female has stayed true to her original purpose, to help ranchers in tough environments improve performance, survivability, and longevity. So if you're giving up ground in traits that matter, consider Beefmasters. The breed will jumpstart your cattle and give your next calf crop a performance boost. Nothing beats a Beefmaster. Learn more about what the Beefmaster cow can do for your herd at Beefmasters.org. And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. As we turn now towards our guest today, joining us is Wally Olson with Olson Ranch out of Claremore, Oklahoma. And and Wally, I'm not going to just use that as the intro here for you because I know there's a lot of folks across the country that uh, call you a friend, call you a teacher, call you a mentor, and uh, you've been in the cow business for a long, long time. Yes, so let's, I have done that. Have a, well, before we get too far here, let's talk about your experience in the cow business because I think that it's important for folks to understand a little bit where, you know, kind of how you got started and what shaped, shaped you because that's what, some of that element is what you teach to folks here in your schools that we're going to talk about later on. But uh, let's talk about how, you know, kind of where you started out and, and your life experience. One of the uh, 
the mentors that I've had in my life have been wonderful. And one of them was a, a gentleman I grew up with, an old rancher. His name was Orville Burtis Sr. He helped start the Quarter Horse Association. That's how far back he goes. But one thing he always told you, he said, if you're going to be in the cow business, you better plan on going. Uh, you're going to go broke. Just That's just what it is. And he asked Mr. Burtis how many times he uh, been broke. And he said, well, the bank only knew about it once. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and what shaped me a lot is is I went through the ag crisis of the 80s, which wasn't very pleasant, and we kind of worked through that. And and uh, and so, needless to say, I am I am predisposed to be willing to. Uh, I'm interested in being profitable, very interested. And through my life, I went to uh, uh, ranching for profit school and. Uh, and then I met Bud Williams, which was probably one of the biggest changes in my life of learning how to do stockmanship and the marketing from him and also just how to live life and stuff. So, mm -hmm. and I had the privilege after getting out of my own ranching operation, I got the privilege of going to work for the Kelly Ranch, which was a large ranch in Benito, Oklahoma, which we got to practice uh, a lot of this stuff. And so... Uh, and I have ranched my whole life. Yeah. So. All right. Well, if uh, folks, if you're just joining us, our, our topic really about the day and the reason that I reached out to Wally was to talk about our cattle market. And as we're there, there's no question that we're seeing prices just a little bit better than they were last year, maybe quite a bit better. And and there's a lot of outside factors that can influence the market. I'm not going to be uh, just naive to think that that we're on the complete upslope from here for the next couple of years. However, in indications are that and so Wally when I when I reached out to you it was really about um, how do we handle moving into this kind of a market with uh, with our cattle business and we've seen due to drought we've seen a lot of cattle go off the ranches and so now we're in this position of some places have some moisture they're ready to restock but how do we do that profitably i guess because there's there's a, the, the traditional way is we is we we raise up our heifers and and we keep them all the way till they're eight nine years old and then we might sell them off but when we look at this this opportunity that is before us what do you feel are some good ways that we need to be looking at when it comes to expanding our herds one of the the the, the biggest thing is is and and whether you're just, you know, like I said, coming out of a drought or in the best of times or if the market's going down or if the market's going up, what you need to always be doing is just good marketing. And, and, uh, and how that is done is you need to always be looking at the relationships of the market, of the different classes of animals today. And that's all you can look about. Everybody's talking about, you know, what do you think tomorrow's going to do? I have not, I don't have an idea, but I do know one thing, there's going to be class animals that are going to be undervalued to other classes. Mm -hmm. And so that's basically what you do. And, and the way you find out those things is you just do the math. And, and, and I will give you some examples is uh, and the first example I'm going to work through, and these are today's markets as close as I could find, okay. is that in Oklahoma, Nebraska, a 450-pound heifer sold for uh, $855. I think that's a dollar ninety. 
And to make her into a bred heifer, to weigh a thousand pounds using a dollar a pound, you add those two together and you end up with $1,405 in a bred heifer. Mm-hmm. And so now that you know that, you can uh, you know, start comparing other things like in uh, Torrington or in Wyoming, some, uh, some bred heifers sold, uh, pairs sold for $1,950. And so you can compare that heifer for 1950 to the red heifer. And as you work through it, it comes out when you do all the math, when you subtract the, the value of the calf from the cost of the cow, put on your cost to carry that, that uh, heifer pair for bread again is worth $1,350 versus 1405. So in other words, those $1,900 bread heifers, for a good buy. Okay. Well, and you talk about the heifer uh, market right now because I believe that's uh, when I, when you and I talked before or when I sent some questions to you about what I wanted to talk about, that was really a, a market that I felt had some potential as well. We've seen these heifers be considerably undervalued, I guess, if you want to call it that way. Maybe I'm not the guy feeding them out other than just putting some grass underneath them. But um, but that heifer market has been has been the weak side of the market in the last several years. Is that what you're seeing as well? The heifer market is 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 usually, you know, of, of, in, in a cow herd of all the classes of animals, most of the time your weaned heifer calf is the most undervalued animal. Mm-hmm. And probably in your herd inventory, you know, is, you know, the five-year-old cow is the most over, overvalued animal. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so you, you, you know, you need to be watching and capturing, you know, the appreciation of the heifer calf up to the, you know, the bred cow and stuff. Now you got to realize during the drought, you know, bred cows, you know, were basically selling for a killer price. So there was no appreciation. I mean, you know, last January and February was probably one of the greatest times in, to get in the cow business because you, you could buy bred cows very reasonable. And so mm-hmm. you just need to be aware of that. And I use what I call a cow bell curve, which I compare the value of a heifer calf to the value of the bred cow. And I compare that value of that bred cow to a call cow. And that way I find out how much appreciation going from the heifer to the bred cow is and how much depreciation going from the bred cow down to the call cow. Mm-hmm. And uh, it tells you whether you what you can do. Do you think that as we start to see the herd numbers try to build back, if, you know, the western part of the country up in, in my area has has seen, for the most part, I know there's some dry holes, but uh, for the most part has seen some, some good rainfall this year and that ability to produce hay and, and expand their cattle herd. Do you see with the, with the potential expansion of the cow herd that this heifer market could not be the weak side of the market? in the next year or so and i and i know i'm asking you to to speculate and you told me just a little bit ago that we don't look at tomorrow we look at today but but i i'm asking you to speculate a little well right now i'm uh, even even uh speculate i mean you you don't know i mean you just got to get there I, what i do know today is that, that the heifer is undervalued and and that's what you got to work on and i would venture to guess that 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 the the value of bred cows are going to outpace the uh, uh, value of the heifer calf. 
Mm-hmm. And, and so, and I'll give you an example. Back in 2014, I was at a, a, a Brandon in, in Saratoga, Wyoming, and there was a gentleman there that was just uh, going on about the stupidest thing he ever did was keep uh, high-priced heifer calves to make cows out of in, in uh, 2014. Mm-hmm. And stuff, and and I hate to tell him that the, the stupidest thing he ever did was kept her mama if she was a five year old cow, because that that cow, you know, basically at that time was worth, uh, you know, thirty five hundred dollars pretty easy, and and a couple of years later she was he was worth, uh, you know, seven hundred dollars as a cold cow, mm-hmm. you know. and and that heifer, if you'd have kept trading her down, he would have came out very well. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I feel like we're kind of headed into something like that. And that was part of the reason that I wanted to get out, uh, get a hold of you. Folks, we're going to have more with Wally Olson. Uh, he is our guest today, uh, Olson Ranch. And we're going to talk later on in the, in the very last segment with him today about his schools and his marketing schools that he has a little bit about that. But he's also uh, a, a gentleman that a lot of folks know across the country and have, uh, have learned a lot from him. And so we're talking today about this cow market. And as we anticipate this maybe picking up a little bit in the the next year or two how do we manage that so that we we are smart coming out of that because i think there's a lot of money that could be lost in the coming out of it not really the going into it so we're going to continue uh with more with wally olson when we return on the working ranch radio show living in the country means working in the country and that calls for a tough tractor Well, Bobcat has 15 models in its compact tractor lineup from 21 to 58 horsepower. With the help of your local Bobcat dealer, you'll find a perfect match for your property and to-do list. Get a look at all the different models at Bobcat.com, and while you're there, use the Build and Quote tool to design your ideal machine. Get yourself one tough tractor from one tough animal. Bobcat. Visit Bobcat.com. If you could do something today that would bring you a profit tomorrow, would you do it? In the cattle business, it's about efficiency. And with Limousine Genetics in your herd, your profit is just one calf crop away. With Limousine or Limflex cattle, it's more pounds, naturally, to sell at weaning. It's growth and feed efficiency with the added benefit of carcass merit. The other side of the profit coin with Limousine Genetics is the maternal efficiency, docility, and longevity of your cows and bulls. It's as simple as limousine today, profit tomorrow. And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. My guest today is Wally Olson out of Claremore, Oklahoma. Folks across the country know him as a teacher, as a mentor, as a friend. And we have him on as a guest here today to talk a little bit, uh, give us an, uh, some insight from his perspective. He has been in the marketing cattle business for a long, long time and understands this stuff inside and out. And Wally, I know in your schools, one of the things that you teach a lot is really trying to get across to folks the understanding that cow dip- appreciation is one of the biggest losses that we see as ranchers in our net worth and in our in and in our herd and we don't uh, take that into account a lot of times but my question is this as we're starting to see this market pick up a little bit and these cows last year that were uh, that were maybe uh, like you said bred cows that were selling for killer prices now have picked up and they have s- some increased in value so as we're seeing a market uptick 
how do we look at this and understand how do we work in cow depreciation and understand that uh, in, an, in an upcycle in this market? The biggest thing is you just need to all, and I will drill this into you, is look at the relationships of the classes of animals. Okay. And uh, back then, uh, you know, when, uh, when, when bred cows were so cheap, if you compared them, you could buy a young bred cow for the same price as a, as a, a weaned heifer calf. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't take, you know, it, it, you, you buy the young bred cow because there's no way you can turn a heifer calf into a bred, bred heifer, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so you just need to be looking at the relationships. And, and if you watch now, you know, the relationships, the bred cow, young bred cows will go up faster, most probably, yeah. than a heifer calf. Yeah. And if you watch, you know, they sold, as I understand, they sold some $3,400 first calf heifer pairs in Billings this mm. last week. You know? And I've talked to a gentleman in Bismarck, North Dakota, and they were talking about $3,600 pairs. You know, we have a very short memory about, <laughs> uh, you know, about this. It just, it just amazes me and stuff. And, you know, there's, there's still great opportunities out there. Uh, even today. I mean, so you just need to do the math mm-hmm. and understand you know, how to figure out whether a cow is of value in the relationships. And one thing, everybody, lots of people, first, they, they never used to talk about depreciation. And, and now that now people are talking about cow depreciation. One thing that is missing is you've got to have appreciation before you can have depreciation. And so you need to be able to understand and find where your appreciation is coming in your cow herd and then capture that and mitigate the depreciation, you know, and all it is is you just do the math. And what you do is you compare the cost of a weaned heifer calf to what it costs you to turn it into a bred heifer compared to the value of your bred cows. And that's basically it. Well, Wally and I, I feel like what happens sometimes is as this market is increasing in value, um, that and you and you said like you said, I'm just going to keep drilling this down into you, and that is that that relationship, and 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 I think. Uh, and I think that's something that probably is a little bit, we kind of get a little starstruck as ranchers because we say, well, shoot, I bought that cow for 1250 and I've put, I've gotten two, three calves out of her. And now she's an old eight year old cow, eight, nine year old cow, and she's worth 1300. And we see that and, and, and we're thinking, wow, we, we made money on this deal, but it goes back to the, what you were saying before. And that is the relationship. It's, it's a math problem to me. What I, what I feel like is we're, we got to look at it from, from a, in a math perspective and know the, the difference between that high valued cow that you were saying four three four five year old cow. And then where they start to, to, to tail off in there, that's probably what I feel is, is maybe what's missing. One thing that interests me is, is you know, there's a lot of people say, you know, an eight until an eight-year-old cow, you get to an eight-year-old cow, she's not profitable, you know. And and I tell all the the experts, I said, show me the, you know, show me the numbers on it, but nobody will ever show me the numbers because it looks to me like a, you know, uh, in a comparison I have. Is if you sell a cow at four, you can pay for you know you can pay for her in in like three years. If you sell, take all the depreciation in that eight-year-old cow, 
it takes 25 years to uh, pay for her with the excess cash she will throw off. So there is no way in the world that that can do it. Mm -hmm. Two of the biggest paradigms that I believe that just kills the cow business is is longevity and and then uh, indigenous knowledge or the cow knows the range, you know, so we got to keep these cows till they get old, you know. Mm -hmm. And, and my deal is, is, is you will know most of that by five years old. If you have a cow that is bred at five, she has probably passed 90% of the longevity hoops. Mm-hmm. If you have a cow that's five years old, if she was born on the ranch and raised two or three calves on the ranch, her calves, you know, they know the, the, all the indigenous knowledge that she has. Yeah. So, so you do not need to keep and take that hickey that we're taking. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to your comment there just a bit ago. I, I wanted you to finish your answer there on it, but go back to what you were saying about it takes 25 years of that, that statement there. re that and kind of explain that just a little bit. But what I'm saying is that, that if you sell, in the comparison that I used, if you sell uh, the cow at eight years old, you know, she has depreciated enough mm-hmm. by the time you take the cost of the heifer calf and and what it costs to make her into a uh, into a bred heifer yeah when you divide the excess cash that that eight-year-old cow throws off it takes you 25 years to, to pay for it she just she eats she eats up her value and depreciation compared to what a four-year-old cow was and in the comparison I was using a four-year-old cow was worth eighteen hundred and fifty three dollars and the uh, the uh, eight-year-old cow is only worth thirteen hundred and sixty-six dollars, mm-hmm. and so the depreciation—you know—that is where that is why the the uh, cow-calf business is basically break-even. Because if you look at the value of a weaned heifer calf and the value of a cull cow, it's basically equal. Sure, pretty close. Yep. And and, and so so and we, nobody ever tracks you know your herd inventory value i mean it just amazes me mm-hmm. well and i've been told many times you know you know i have a either a master's degree or a phd in ag economics and i said yeah you do but you don't know the cow business <laughs> yeah well that, that's interesting and i know uh as we look at this i know there's a lot of guys out there and they've heard these numbers and i know they're kind of head scratching a little bit and this will be a Folks, this will be a good program to go back and listen to again and, and kind of just go through this uh, in your mind and in your own in your own herd operation. Wally, uh, from from your perspective, and maybe we've already kind of touched this a little bit, but I just maybe want to reemphasize it. Um, what is the biggest mishap that you feel just commercial ranchers, traditional ranchers do in their herds? One is we've got too much in, in, in a ranching situation, we've got too much performance bred into the cows and they're too big. And, and one of my biggest, what I see, the biggest thing is, is we spend too much money on developing heifers. You know, they've got to be bred, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, when they put in these heifer development yards, holy lordy, they, they made me a lot of money <laughs> because they would get all those heifers bred and they'd go back to the ranch and, and, and uh, the next, you know, when they bred up to have their second calf, you know, half of them would be open, 
and and uh, you know, you, and you got you can't keep an open cow, and mm-hmm. so I would buy them and rebreed them, and and uh, they just worked wonderful mm-hmm. and stuff. But to me, and like Bert Taggart talks about, and Trey Patterson at the Padlock, you know, run these suckers as feeder heifers, make money on them as feeder heifers, and just put a bull out there and let the bulls select your replacement heifers. Mm-hmm. The last few years that I I did this, the breed up has was on for second first the second calf was just excellent because we got rid of them, uh, you know we got rid of all the slow breeders in the first round and I'm talking about using a very short you know either a 21 or a 42 two day season you know mm-hmm. but you better have a lot of maternal stuff bred into your cows you aren't going to be able to have. 40 pounds of milk and, and stuff like that in your cow herd and have them do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wally Olson is my guest here today here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. We've got one more segment with him. I have one question, one more question for him uh, in our next segment that I want to ask. And then also we're going to talk about some of the things he's involved with in his marketing schools and uh, FYI website that you'll hear more about as well. Stay with us. You're listening to the Working Ranch Radio Show. For commercial cow-calf producers, crossbreeding with Galvay and Balancer is the smart, reliable, and profitable choice. Galvay and Balancer females offer maternal superiority through increased fertility, greater longevity, and more pounds of calf weaned per cow exposed. In the feed yard, Balancer cattle can offer increased performance, improve feed efficiency, and have excellent carcass merit. Balancers add the pounds, make the grade, and deliver the value. Galvay and Balancer, the smart, reliable, and profitable choice. For more information, go to galvay.org. Ranching has been in the Hardgrove family for generations, and they know the value of keeping a ranch in the family. Hardgrove Ranch Insurance provides pasture, range, and forage insurance to ranchers across the nation. PRF Insurance is a USDA-subsidized program that allows ranchers to insure against the risk of below-average rainfall. Hardgrove Ranch Insurance utilizes industry-leading custom software to provide the rancher with information they need to stay up-to-date and educated on their policy throughout the year. Hargrove Ranch Insurance supports ranchers for this generation, the next, and those yet to come. Contact Hargrove Ranch Insurance at 325-573-8975 for a free custom quote or online at hargroveinsurance.com. And welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. My guest today is Wally Olson out of Claremore, Oklahoma. We've had some good discussion here so far about uh, kind of how we handle this uptick in the market as we as we look back at uh, marketing our livestock and maybe building back our cattle herds. And uh, Wally, my question just before we went to break in the last uh, in the last segment, we were talking about the development of heifers and, and kind of off air. We were talking about how we've seen the development of heifers as artificially propped a lot of these cattle up to where they don't breed back as as three-year-olds and so they have a big fallout in that but my question is this you were talking about let the bull make that decision for you and kind of have a short breed up here's my predicament this year and and i'm sorry folks to take my my issue here and and put it to put it out there but i'm sure i'm not the only one i've got about 130 head of heifers that we're going to be breeding and and so my my question is this do i do i put them in for that short breed up and and let that do that or do i go ahead and leave them in for a 60-day breed up and then just uh and then uh based upon you know preg checking we'll just keep we'll just uh peel off the latter part of them we just want those that are bred in the first 30 days and 
the reason I ask you that is because we're looking at, at a market where there's going to be some value in these bred heifers. I would completely agree, agree with you on that fact that a bred heifer is going to be worth a whole lot more probably than a feeder heifer. You know, her as a feeder heifer this year. Mm-hmm. To you, these those later bred heifers were, you know, aren't good, but to the person buying them, they just fit into his program mm-hmm. very well. So I would, I would, I would, I would leave the bull out for a while, yeah. you know, yeah. and then, and then use the preg check to, to sort them, you know, mm-hmm. and, and if you got extra grass, maybe keep them cab them. I mean, you know, you know, and stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that I've noticed in the last several years, and some of that has been spurred on by some pretty severe winter storms across much of the country that has kind of made folks kind of reevaluate when they are calving. And I have, even in my own neighbors around here, I've seen more and more of them move back to a May calving. And and so one of the things that that does, you know, just in the traditional deal is that those cattle maybe lose a little bit of value when you go to a may cabin that cow um, loses a little bit of value in there and so um but at the same time one of the th- one of the predicaments that I've been in is we've tried to add cattle into our herd in- that are later calving may calvers is that sometimes we're buying somebody else's problem and and so there to me I feel like there is some need out there for people to really be developing uh late you know calves replacement cattle out of late calving herds and not just somebody's problem i'm glad you brought this up to me uh you know uh you talk about late calving i think you're more should be saying the right time to calve. <laughs> okay yeah yeah and, and and let me tell you real quick why, why it is the right time to calve if you calve in may and leave the calf on and and uh, if you compare a 500 pound steer calf in october to a 500 pound steer calf in in march or april uh, there's worlds of difference in the in the in the value of you know that 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 spring steer calf is going to most of the time worth a lot more money and it's and it's easier to produce mm-hmm. and stuff and mm-hmm. people don't you know realize that you know it's just easier to produce it's cheaper to produce and stuff yeah and and one thing i believe you know with later calving you can either sell a calf the 500 pound calf or an 800 pound yearling in the same tax year because most everybody on taxes is set up for the first of the year. Whereas, whereas if you're selling in October, you know, you probably will never check out the value of a, of a yearling because of the tax year. Mm-hmm. Whereas, and, and that's to me, it's a real big thing. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of angles. And that's one of the things that <clears throat> I appreciate about your advice is that there's a lot of angles that you look at things. And I've always appreciated about that. Let's talk about uh, your schools a little bit uh, and, and, and what you do, um, because, as you say, you grew up in ranching your whole life. You're still you're still marketing cattle. You're still buying and selling cattle. But at the same time, I also know that you're training up folks to understand this as well. So your school uh, ranching dot FYI. Let's talk about that. Ranching.fyi is is just a is a is a website where we're just putting knowledge on there. There's three of us, Cinnamon Linhart and John Haskell and I are doing it. It came about from a friendship with Chip Hines, and we were talking about Grandma Hines wanting to put a 
it's hard to put an old head on young shoulders. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what we're doing there. We're just gathering information and putting it on there. And it's a subscription website. If you're not happy, we'll give you your money back. That's mm -hmm. the one thing I do. And then I, I'll, at Olson Ranch LLC, I do my marketing schools. Okay. And, and uh, just go there. There's one coming up the last two days of August, the first two days of September. And uh, it's a money back guarantee. If you aren't completely happy, I'll give you your money back. Mm -hmm. And uh, step. All right. And two things, if you're going to ranch, and, and, and this is heartfelt, that if you're going to ranch, and I think you'll agree with this, for God's sakes, go to ranching for profit school. <laughs> they put you, they show you how to assemble the numbers. And this is a numbers. This, this is a people's game and a numbers game is what ranching is. And the sooner you realize that, the better off you'll be. And so. Mm -hmm. Well, we're going to have to charge Dallas for that uh, plug there that you gave. Oh, him. yes, we will. <laughs> well, Wally, I appreciate you joining us. Before we head out here uh, again, folks, really my, my goal here was to to bringing in Wally was to talk about we are in a in a in a positive feel in this market. I realize there's a lot of outside elements with inflation and fuel prices and over in Ukraine and, and those kinds of, of things that are going on out there. But at the same time, we do feel some optimism in this market. I know some folks are still in heavy drought and there's no ignoring that. But I just felt like uh, that as we look into this, that we we try to be smart as we're going into this up, up cycle market so that we don't get ourselves in a pickle coming out. And Wally, that was kind of kind of my feel on it as, as we were talking. And so just some final words from you before we head out here today. Well, like I said, the, the biggest thing is, is just do the numbers and the numbers will tell you, you know, what to do and, and believe in your numbers. And I mean, it ain't quite as classy as a lot of things you want to do in ranching, but, uh, you know, just do your numbers and, uh, I promise you'll be a lot happier. Mm -hmm. Understand those relationships between these classes of cattle. That was something that you kept talking about quite a bit. Yes. Well, Wally, again, I want to thank you for joining us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Thank you. Wally Olson has been our guest here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Just to recap his a uh, couple of his websites that he threw out there, if you're wanting more information about his marketing schools, you can go to OlsonRanchLLC.com. Again, it's OlsonRanchLLC.com. And then the Ranching FYI website. It's a kind of a collective a website of collective information, and they uh, put information out there. It's a subscription-based website, put information out there that's useful to us here in the ranching industry. If you want to check that out, again, that website is ranching.fyi. Well, stay with us when we come back. Meteorologist Don Day joins us with a look at our long-term weather. Starting off in the right direction is essential to gaining an advantage later when you go to market your calves. And I have proof that the right direction is with Sim Angus Sired Calves. A 2020 study by K-State showed that Sim Angus Sired Steer Calves earn more at sale time than all other breed identified sire groups with at least 50 lots represented on Superior Livestock's 2020 summer sales. The proof's right there. For low-risk, high-potential calves with earning potential, be confident that Sim Genetics will give you more per head, period. Stand strong, Simmental. 
And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Justin Mills here as meteorologist Don Dade now joins us with a look at our long-term weather. And uh, we have uh, officially hit summer, and not just on the calendar, Don, but we've hit it uh, with weather. We're seeing some hot, dry conditions starting to develop in the western states. Early monsoon season, as you were saying when we were off air, but we're kind of heading into that monsoon season just a bit earlier than we uh, maybe thought or expected down in the southwestern part of the country. Yeah, and boy, an early start is welcome, as dry as it's been in places like New Mexico and Arizona and southern parts of Colorado and Utah. Uh, really a godsend here over the last couple of weeks. Now, normally June into early July is when the monsoon starts, but it may was maybe it was about five or six, maybe weeks, five or six, seven days early. Mm-hmm. And we have seen in some parts of New Mexico that couldn't seem to get a drop of rain. <laughs> There's some areas like... A, uh, Albuquerque has had well over two inches of rain for the month of June. Roswell, New Mexico had a thunderstorm uh, that dropped over three inches of rain last week. And uh, we've also seen some heavier rainfall in parts of Arizona, uh, parts of southern and southwest areas of Colorado into the Wasatch of Utah. Now, we want that area to expand and get into other areas. But having it as a bit of an early start, does bode well Mm -hmm. that more of these early summer rains in the form of thunderstorms for parts of the southwest United States and parts of the southern and central Rockies will be able, as we go into July now, have some chances for these afternoon and evening thunderstorms that could be productive. Mm -hmm. So that's really good news because if you look at some of the, the, the real severe drought conditions, that desert southwest, those southern Rockies, southern plains were really the hardest hit during the winter and the early spring. Mm-hmm. Let's focus just a little bit here on south central Texas up into Oklahoma. Uh, I know it's been a little bit spotty. The eastern part of, the, of those states have had a little bit of moisture. The western sides may be getting a little bit of this monsoon. Central, though, uh, is there going to be much in hurricane moisture coming up? And that's mainly, I don't know if that's just going to affect down in the southern part of Texas or what are we looking for hurricane weather moving up into those parts of the country? Well, yeah, I tell you, that Oklahoma, Texas region has got a lot of different, there's a lot of moving parts right now. In the central areas of Texas, north central Texas, up through central areas and western areas of Oklahoma is kind of the epicenter of what we call the the summertime high, where the high pressure wants to be centered for most of the time, not all the time. But right underneath that dome of high pressure, it's going to be hard to get the rain and the shower and thunderstorm activity is going to be hard to get into there. Now, on the western edges of Texas, some of that monsoon may be able to get up into the Panhandle region out near that New Mexico border area. But then as you go into southeast Texas, you get down into the Houston area, you get down near the Louisiana border. Uh, In fact, uh, we're seeing, as we speak right now, Justin, shower and thunderstorm activity that will bring some significant rain to parts of Southeast Texas. So uh, depends on where in Texas you are. The middle part, I, I am concerned for the rest of the summer about parts of that North Central and Central areas of Texas um, not being able to get into the monsoon and maybe being too far west to get into this tropical storm or hurricane activity. Mm-hmm. So that is a part of the country where the that I think we need to watch where the summertime high is more often going to be. Mm-hmm. Let's circle back up to the western uh, part of the country, the the Rocky Mountain region, and let's maybe go as far back as Oregon and Washington and come across the country there in that way. A lot of moisture has been in May and June, and now uh, we're starting to see some warmer temperatures in those areas. 
We will. In fact, uh, the Pacific Northwest and the Northern Rockies, I think, are going to uh, see a drier trend here over the next two weeks. Uh, the Pacific Northwest in particular, uh, the spigot, so to speak, has been turned off in terms of these parades of storms that they had during the spring and through a good part of June. And the rain that's going to fall in the Pacific Northwest and in the Northern Rockies is this going to be with a couple of weak systems and kind of too far north for that subtropical moisture to get up there deep enough to make a difference. So those northern tier states, we're, we're going to see, we're seeing a little bit of a reversal, Justin. Mm -hmm. the, the drier, warmer conditions relative to average will be up there, while this summertime monsoon pattern is going to keep temperatures relative to average a bit below normal in the southwest United States due to those showers and thunderstorms. Now, I do think we're going to see uh, July go through uh, different patterns. I think the first couple of weeks of July is where I do see the heat in the Pacific Northwest and the Northern Rockies and the Central Rockies, followed by a bit of a cooling trend is that Southern Plains High will drift westward next week and the following week before rotating its way back to the east again. And that's going to kind of shift the heat and the precipitation around the country. And you know, one thing to keep an eye on is, is that uh, these thunderstorms coming up out of the southwest do feed into parts of the Midwest and Corn Belt. You know, critical time of year you know, to make sure the rains are frequent enough for the, the Midwest and Corn Belt soybean corn areas to get some precipitation. I think no matter what happens, there's going to continue to be that, that pattern of showers and thunderstorms off and on in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, th I will tell you, it kind of lines up with what my fog forecasting shows. And I was showing the first part of July being pretty dry and the latter part of July having some moisture into the first part of August is what I'm showing. So we'll, we'll see if that happens or not. Well, your fog forecast has been <laughs> excellent so far this year. Okay. All right. Well, Don, thanks for joining us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Thanks for having me. Meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. His website can be found at dayweather.com. Now, he also has that YouTube channel as well. So if you want to go out every morning, Monday through Friday, and listen to his daily video podcast, you can do that through YouTube or go to his website as well. Now, also, one other thing I might mention, it is the time of the year where a good weather station would be very valuable. If you want to find out what, uh, what weather station he would advise, well, you can go to his website and check it out out as well as any other things that uh, he might have on his website that would be useful to you as well. Well, stay with us. When we come back, we'll put a wrap on this week's show and talk about what we're going to have on the next episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. Do you have a young child, grandchild, niece, or nephew that loves the weather and wants to learn more? Day Weather has produced a children's weather journal full of weather facts, fun weather experiments, coloring pages, and pages to record weather observations for every season of the year. The weather journal is for ages 3 to 7 and designed to be fun and educational. The interactive weather projects are fun for the whole family to take part in. For only $10, the Day Weather Weather Journal is a great gift idea for any occasion. Click on our Amazon link to order at dayweather.com. At the American Akaushi Association, we're more than prime. The American Akaushi Association was created to help ranchers be more profitable and find opportunities when using Akaushi genetics in their herd. We focus on market opportunities for our members and offer support from conception to consumer. When you choose Akaushi, you have a network right there with you. Experience the difference at akaushi.com. That's A-K-A-U-S-H-I dot com. 
Just a couple comments before we head out here today. Uh, this, this topic, actually, that we talked about with Wally Olson was... Uh, is really a subject that uh, I feel is is really important because I think a lot of times here in the ranching industry, we have a tendency to get caught up when this market starts to swing up. And it's just like I've heard other guys say, it's easy to be a rancher when you're getting a lot of moisture and the prices are up, but that's not always where things are at. And so I think it's important that we do take some time to go into this market with our eyes wide open and understanding how can we work through this market. Uh, Be thankful, be blessed that we are seeing an uptick in this market, but knowing that more than likely, just like anything else, it's not going to be around forever. Now, there's a lot of work being done out there to ensure that these markets are competitive out there, and we're starting to see a lot of growth in the rail space in our industry that uh, we hope, in turn, can uh, bring some uh, some competitiveness and profitability back into the market as well. But nevertheless, markets come and go. Cycles, there are such things, I guess, if you want to call it that, as cattle cycles. Now, it may not be the same kind of cattle cycles we saw 20 and 30 years ago, but there is a cycle. And so I think as we look at this market, knowing that uh, it does look like it's ticking up a little bit, there are some outside factors that no doubt will have some effect, but we, we do what we can and uh, we push forward on that and we do it smart. We do it very intelligently and, and in a way that we can come out of this market uh, with profitability as well. And I'm speaking a lot of that from experience because I will be quite honest with you. I am still paying off a, the, a tuition lesson from the School of Hard Knocks from the last cattle market up cycle that we saw in the cattle market and so I just feel it was an important topic here today that we look at that and that we be smart about what we're doing as we go forward. Uh, real quick here before we talk about what we're going to be talking about next week on the show what book are you reading what's on your nightstand or what's on the uh, the table next to the your TV chair or so forth well here's what I am just getting ready to get started it's called the manual of stockmanship it's written by Steve Cody this is a book uh, my neighbor uh, Curtis Rankin gave to me as uh, th- there's always room for improvement in our stockmanship and uh, I enjoy it uh, luckily this book not only doesn't have a lot of writing in it but there's a lot of pictures as well. But what book are you reading? Let me know. Uh, shoot me a text or send me an email and let me know what you're reading out there. You can do that by getting a hold of me on my phone at 307-363-COWS. Again, that's 307-363-COWS. Or my email address is justin.workingranch at gmail.com. Let me know what's on your nightstand next to your, your coffee table or, or so forth on your book that you're reading or something you would suggest for folks as well. We'll share it out there on our social media. Well, coming up on next week's show, a few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to set in on a panel discussion down in Oklahoma City for the style conference that was taking place there. One of those that uh, I joined on that panelist was Dr. Scott Howard. He's the director of operations for Meyer Natural Foods out of Loveland, Colorado, but he's also a professor at Colorado State University. We're going to be talking about the packing industry next week and a little bit about that and, and the expansion that we're seeing in that, but also what that relates to uh, us here in the ranching industry. Is that growth, uh, is it going to hold? Is that growth going to hold? And what's that look like going further out? He knows the, that industry uh, way more than I do and way more than probably a lot of us does. And so we're going to, I'm excited to have Dr. Scott Howard, who is with Colorado State University joining us. He's also director of operations for Meyer Natural Foods. Now, kind of along the same lines as the topic that we're going to be covering next week, uh, I wanted to mention this, but I didn't have time earlier in the program about 
a couple articles that I would point you to, uh, one in particular that will relate to what we're going to be talking about next week as we're starting to see increased capacity across the country. But uh, the title is Build It and They Will Come. Bert Rutherford writing an article there about uh, the the more regional packing plants that we're seeing spring up across the country. Now, this uh, article is about... Uh, up in Montana, and of course, Jim Steinbeiser, who's a cow-calf producer out of Sydney, Montana, featured in that article along with uh, Jake Fettis and, and his wife, Alyssa. Now, they ranch over around Amsterdam. If you're not sure, familiar with where Amsterdam, Montana is, well, it would be west of Bozeman, Montana, in that in that area there. But uh, they've got a family uh, meat business that they're doing now. And so it's a great article because it's not all, they're, they're not spelling out everything is like it's all just roses out there. There's some reality in, in this and I think it will be a very good article to read ahead of next week's show that we're going to have with Dr. Scott Howard. Speaking of another article, and I, I know this is crazy to even be saying this, but I, and it's July, but it won't be long until we're preconditioning these calves and getting ready to go for shipping. And uh, there's a good article in here uh, that uh, Heather Smith Thomas writes. It's uh, the Practical Pink Eye Playbook. Now, that article is good uh, as it talks about that. But then inside of that article or in the, on the same pages, this is page 40, there is an article in there entitled Vaccinate Calves at Weaning. And Dave Bonner, who is a beef extension specialist and rumen nutritionist out of Oregon State University, has a great article in there and a lot of times uh, these extension uh, specialists they have not only do they have good information but they have some statistics to go with that and I think you'll appreciate that I realize we're a ways out but never too early to be thinking about uh, our next step with our with our cattle and marketing that and of course what we want more than anything is to be sending on to the next guy a good healthy calf down the road so a great article there by beef extension specialist and rumen nutritionist out of Oregon State University David Bonner well the Working Ranch Radio Show is a production of Working Ranch Magazine branded number one by America's Ranchers now if you'd like to get a hold of me you can sure do it by calling or texting us here at the studio at 307-363-COWS or you can send me an email at justin.workingranch at gmail.com if you got an idea for a topic or a question you might have don't be afraid to let me know. Shoot me an email, justin.workingranch at gmail.com. Oh, and don't forget, let me know what you're reading out there. Like I said, the book I'm reading, Manual of Stockmanship by Steve Cody. Let me know what you got out there. I am interested to know. Thanks again for joining us. I'm your host, Justin Mills. Be sure to join us at this same time and same place. And until next time, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long. So long.